Welcome to Procurement Reimagined, a podcast by Gatekeeper. We believe traditional procurement has had its day, the world is changing, and our industry needs to change with it. On the podcast, we share the best practices to help you streamline your procurement processes, navigate vendor onboarding, and ultimately get the most value out of your vendor contracts. I'm your host, Daniel Barnes. In this episode of Procurement Reimagined, Kanda Rosier, co-founder of Collaborative Consulting, joins me to share her insights on the evolving role of procurement within organizations and how procurement can find new avenues to drive value within the company. Kanda also shares tips on empowering small procurement teams to handle a broader scope of operation. Kanda has over 25 years of experience in leading procurement teams at mid-tier to global enterprises. Kanda is an active speaker at industry events and is passionate about writing and creating content. Kanda, I know quite a lot about your background, but I think for people listening, they, they may not know so much as I do. Could you give like a bit of an insight in terms of maybe your career over the last, I don't even know when to go back to, but maybe you'll do a sound job for me here and saying what you're up to now, what you've been up to over the past. Sure. I won't go all the way back to the beginning because my career started in some things that are not relevant to procurement and sourcing, but I'm a former chief procurement officer with several global companies been in procurement for over 25 years, worked pretty much all across the world, leading everything from, I would say, small mid-cap to very large global enterprise procurement, sourcing, and real estate departments within companies. And for the last several years, I have been running my own procurement and sourcing consultancy business called Collabra Consulting. And uh, I do a lot of speaking and writing and content creation. So it's always great to talk to you too, Daniel. Yeah, I think maybe a slightly selfish question. How do you know what to write about when you're creating your content? I think that's something people listening to this podcast might have aspirations of, oh, I'd love to go onto LinkedIn and talk a little bit more, or share my knowledge, but it can be quite intimidating. What's your approach to that? Well, you know, I think part of it is as long as I've been in the field, I'm interested in a lot of aspects of it. I follow the industry a lot maybe obsessively. And when you do that, it seems like there's always something that catches my attention. And sometimes it's things that I really feel passionate about and I want to add my thoughts on or add my encouragement for. Sometimes it's things that bring out the contrarian in me, (laughs) where I hear something or see something and I think, wow, I wonder if we're going down a rabbit track as an industry here. And writing's always been very easy for me. So content is just another form of that, whether it's written or whether it's talking with people like yourself. I guess at the end of the day, Daniel, I'm so passionate about procurement that if you give me a soapbox, whether it's, it's talking or writing, I'm going to jump on it. And so it's very easy for me to weigh in on lots of topics. Yeah, the contrarian point is really interesting. I've just been reflecting this week on like the last year of my content and just been going over it. And I almost felt like, oh, maybe I'm getting to that point where I'm becoming overly biased with my views and I need to self-challenge those views and incorporate a lot more contrarian sort of, from my current perspective, content into uh, what I'm reading and viewing. So I've just started doing that and collating all of this information that maybe I don't necessarily agree with right now, but maybe it's because there's a lack of understanding or a lack of knowledge. And it's been quite eye-opening. And that was really cool. I like to pry into other creators and how, how they're doing things, especially someone like yourself there. And 
kind of what I'd be really interested to kick this off with really is what do you think's coming procurement's way in the next year, 2023? I think by the time this, when we go live with this episode, we'll be probably into January of 2023. We're recording maybe a week or so before Christmas right now. What do you think's coming our way as a profession? Any challenges, obstacles? I'll leave that quite broad for you there to, to share some thoughts. Well, I think one of the biggest, if not the biggest challenge that we as procurement professionals are going to have, and by the way, I think that business leaders in general are going to have, is what happens with the economy. At least here in the U.S., there are continuing indicators that we're in for a downturn of some sort. And some of the financial analysts are saying it, it may amount to a more properly called recession. That's going to affect us as sourcing professionals because companies will have to do belt tightening. I mean, we've seen this. It's a cyclical thing. We're all used to it. But doing that belt tightening so soon after emerging from the pandemic, I think is going to add some real challenges because at the same time that companies are going to look to tighten their belts and therefore say to procurement, save me more, renegotiate contracts, change supplier payment terms, whatever the reactions of procurement might be, I think companies are also saying, but we've come out of the recession, we want to grow. And and I think there's going to be an interesting balance or a tug of war, if not a balance, between how does procurement help support companies growing and how do they help them with cost containment and reacting to whatever the downturn might be. Yeah, it's a really interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? We've had enormous pressures over COVID and a lot of challenges, resilience, continuity of supply, those kind of things were paramount. They were extremely challenging to get right. And now, yeah, like we've got this need for growth post-pandemic, but also this incredibly complex economic situation where businesses are going to expect procurement to get back to their foundation and save some money where they can. But at the same time, that need to grow is there. Is that an indicator, Candor, of procurement's role broadening in some ways? Because what I've noticed over the last year or so is more and more conversation around how does procurement contribute more to whether it's value generation or creating income or revenue streams? Is that an indicator there? Or is that something that you've picked up on? You know, I think procurement's role has broadened. Some of that has been out of necessity. The pandemic certainly pointed out for a lot of companies that procurement was more than just buying things. And I think pre-pandemic, there were, uh, particularly if you look at companies who were more service-oriented, companies less, not manufacturing, procurement was viewed as the department that bought things for us. And during the pandemic, I think procurement's role in looking at supply chain, even for indirect purchasing, became highlighted. The fact that procurement got very involved in things that would have been considered almost ancillary, which was everybody's working from home, companies changed what they need, and they suddenly needed things to support a remote and and work-from-home workforce, and procurement was somehow right in the spotlight for being able to assist with that. And so I think that there was a natural broadening of procurement scope. I think that, as you've said, over the pandemic, companies also started looking for alternative ways to not just cut their costs, but to grow. 
and to add revenue streams. And in a lot of companies, procurement became more involved with that. And then I think if you add into that, there's been even certainly pre-pandemic, an increasing recognition that companies have to put a huge emphasis on risk management, governance, all of the types of things, whether it's cybersecurity or regulatory. And the pandemic brought some new aspects of that, particularly around health and safety and, and that sort of thing. And procurement, I think, has begun to find themselves increasingly involved in things like risk and governance, which, by the way, I think is a great transition. It's a great evolution for our our profession. So I may have wandered off topic. I'm not sure if I answered that or not. (laughs) No, 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 no. I think it's great. No, certainly. I think, no, there were highly relevant points there. Just your point there on risk and governance. I think pre this role I'm doing here at Gatekeeper, I almost felt like some days it felt like 80% of my day was focused on governance and risk management. And that was a remarkable turnaround. Whereas before COVID, or I'm just thinking back, like I can't even remember those words really coming up in conversations with the wider teams that I was in. Uh, at times, I can recall mentioning <laughs> risk. Should we be doing this, or should we be a little bit more conservative? And and it was almost like, oh, we don't care. We don't really have a risk register. We don't really track anything. We're not tracking our issues, or we're not mitigating. We're fine just to proceed as is. And then post-pandemic, that all went away, luckily. And uh, if I like, missed my day, was spent around risk perspectives, looking at contracts, making sure the risks positions in there were favorable or fairly neutral. And you just couldn't push anything through without doing a detailed risk analysis. And then you, you also mentioned like on the regulation side as well, and it kind of brought back some memories of auditing the current state of things and then having auditors come in and see how we're doing everything. And Every single part of the procurement and contract management roles that I've been part of over the last few years were dominated by risk management. So I think it's great. When you were talking there, you mentioned so many kind of responsibilities there for procurement. And I agree with you on all of them. I think that's fundamentally the broadening there of procurement. It feels like a lot of work coming procurement's way. And I'm very cognizant that not all procurement teams are large. I've worked in very small teams of late, like it's I'm one of one in some places, I've been one of three or four in others. How do teams go about covering all of this? I think there's the reality answer and then there's the aspirational answer to that. And the reality answer is they often don't, meaning they often don't go about it very well. Because often, I think, particularly during and now emerging from the pandemic, there's a lot of dashing from one topic to another and almost just trying to hit the high points. And for some companies, that may be enough. I think aspirationally, the answer is procurement leaders need to do a better job of being able to quantify and document the value that their teams are bringing from these various activities, and then present logical business cases up to management as to which of those realistically need additional investment. And that investment may be in additional resources. It may be in use of outside consultancies. It may be actually in going through that process and maybe demonstrating to the corporate management that certain functions 
actually may not have quite the ROI that everybody thought they did. Now, sometimes with governance, you have to do things regardless, right, from a statutory regulatory standpoint. But there are activities that I've seen procurement get drawn into that probably are nice to haves, not must haves. Yeah, that's a good point, right? Evaluating everything that your team is doing in the first place to make sure you've got no waste or no team member is working on something that perhaps is better placed somewhere else in the business or just not done at all is actually a really good suggestion. One more thought on that, if I can. Yeah, of course. That, that I think that increasingly procurement teams and the leadership of procurement teams are and should be recognizing that our industry is full of all kinds of emerging technologies. And a lot of those technologies are going to let your teams work smarter, faster, more efficiently, and more accurately. And a lot of those solutions actually are pretty low cost. And procurement leaders who look at those emerging technologies and see which ones actually can help them can probably figure out how to do more of this myriad of functions that procurement's being being looked to get involved with. And so I would say looking at how to embrace technology as a way to deliver more with less is something that procurement leaders are going to need to continue to focus on. It's like you read my mind, Kanda, because that was exactly <laughs> what I was going to ask you based on what we were talking about before we went live. Your point there as well on price is something that I maybe over the last couple of years that I looked at was in short, it was like, how much does it cost to bring a procurement professional on board? And maybe I'll give like some actual numbers here from a UK perspective. It could have been anywhere between 40 and sort of 70,000 pounds. And that's in terms of a yearly salary. And then you add in pensions and everything else that comes with that, the cost of hiring and oh, so much. Or can you look at some sort of procurement tech? I'll give a very real life example. Like I eventually used Gatekeeper in the last role that I was in within the fintech because for one, it was cheaper than bringing someone in and it got rid of the need to hire someone else. So it meant that we could do more with less. It got rid of a lot of the admin work. And I just found that to be like such a turning point in how to structure a team because maybe before that point, and I think we're all aware that the procure tech space in general has been kind of dominated by like a big six or big A or of some sort for quite some time. And these are there's so many new emerging solutions. I mean, procure tech 100 just got announced in the last week, and they've looked mm -hmm. at over 4,000 4, solutions, and that just blew my mind. So I think we're probably in like a golden age right now of having so many solutions out there to evaluate. So I think that's a, a really good point that you made there. I absolutely agree with you. The, the landscape, and you mentioned the ProcureTech 100 and the Kearney ecosystem, the spider chart, and there are so many technologies. Now, the interesting thing, I think, will be to see year over year, and then particularly like a five-year look back, how many of those are still around. Some of them will have merged. Some of them will have been acquired, been integrated into others of the solutions in the landscape. But I do think that uh, you mentioned it as being sort of a golden age. And I think anytime you have this 
boom in an industry. If I think back into the 1980s, when running, jogging and running became like the the hot thing to do, at least in, in the U.S., there were running shoe stores at every shopping center, every shopping mall had one or two. And 10 years later, those were gone. Some of them were, there were still a few that still are around, but the big box stores had come in. Also, people began to realize that, gosh, I've got all these stores to go buy running shoes from, but there's no real differentiation. And so over a period of time, those stores went out of business or they merged or they morphed into something else. More than just a running shoe store, they became maybe just a sports apparel store or something. My analogy is breaking down the more I talk about it here. But I think <laughs> no, no, the same good. <laughs> may be true for procurement solutions, is that there's going to be, anytime you have a boom and a, a real blossoming in an industry, if you give it that interim period of time, there's going to be a sorting out of who survives, who gets merged, who actually didn't have a differentiating value proposition. And so they kind of just fade away. Yeah, I think it's a really good point. I think it's basic math, right? Like if there's at least 4,000 providers here, I can't see all of them surviving, right? You can look at almost every software product out there. There's always a consolidated pool of them eventually that maybe niche down or go in Correct. certain directions. And yeah, I, I think your point on having a look back in five years could be really interesting. My point that I wanted to ask you was whether you had any tips for kind of navigating that space of maybe as a business, we've got this broadening of our responsibilities. We think tech is the answer. How do you even get started? Well, I think the first thing you have to do is start with what are your own pain points? And that doesn't necessarily mean procurement's pain points. It's what are your business's pain points? Now, procurement may have pain points, and you shouldn't entirely ignore those. But looking at, as a business, what are our pain points? And then of those, which ones touch procurement? Then look at, how do I need to solve these? Because tech may not be the answer for all of them. I always think that when you look at a pain point, you need to look at what your underlying as is situation. What are your processes? What are your policies? And what are your current tools or lack thereof? And I personally, when I work with the clients that I do consulting for is, I don't want to start with the solution. I want to start with understanding the problem. And the last thing you want to do is go get a solution, a system to bring in and connect it to lacking or broken processes. Because if you do, you're going to end up with just a new automated solution that still automates broken processes. So I think that my tips would be start with your company's pain points, start with prioritizing those pain points, then look at what's your current scenario. Again, you know, it's process, it's policy, before you then look at What's the automation? What's the system? What's the tool? And then you can start to look at the solutions. And the other tip I would have is don't become enamored by the shiny, sexy thing that's out on the market. Because there's loads of those, as you and I know. 
And shiny and sexy often is not what you need. Sometimes what you need is practical, easy to use, robust, and fit for purpose. Yeah, I think that's some incredibly sound and pragmatic advice there that so many could probably uh, do with because my thoughts across the next year or two is that more and more procurement professionals will be looking out there just to try and find some sort of solution once they've done those steps that you mentioned there, which is where are things not quite working? Have we fixed them as best we can internally beforehand? And then how do we go out and make this better and then continuously iterate on that? And I genuinely think a lot of people will have some sort of shock as soon as they see the breadth of solutions out there. And the shiny object thing is so true, right? Because a bit of good marketing can make everything look amazing. And it may not be, it may just paste over the cracks uh, there. So yeah, really, really good advice. Kanda, I, I genuinely, I feel like I could talk to you for hours and I'm very conscious of time, but there was just a, a couple of questions that I really wanted to ask you. And these next two are ones that we're asking every single person who comes on this podcast. So the first one is, what is one piece of tech that you use currently in your everyday life, maybe to help with your consultancy work that you could not live without? I I think it's my phone. Sounds like a simple answer. But at the end of the day, if I could only keep one piece of tech in my life, it would be my phone because my phone also lets me, although I'm not using my phone to talk with you today, I could. I bank with it. I buy with it. I manage everything from my interaction with my health insurance. It's indispensable in so many ways. I'm completely with you. I had no one in the house for a couple of hours earlier and I just wanted to change the scenery. And I went downstairs and uh, I do a lot of work out of Notion currently. And I was on LinkedIn doing a bit of work there. And I was like, this is so amazing. I can just chill out on the sofa, working away. And it's completely, it's a game changer, isn't it? And I know phones have been out like this maybe now for what, what maybe 16, 17 years. Yeah. And the novelty of it has still not worn off on me either. This, this last question, I find it so weird to ask, but it's a great question. So Kanda, I am a procurement genie and I want to give you one wish to well, kind of whatever you want, hopefully, to help procurement, procurement professionals, businesses. I'll hand it over to you. My one wish would be, and I'm saying this from the perspective of where I am in my life and career, my one wish would be that our profession is still able and maybe increasingly able to draw the best and the brightest new talent into our field. Because got a lot of people like myself who are not going to be doing this in 20 more years. <laughs> and I'm being very generous with that number. <laughs> but as our profession has evolved, we just need, I wish for a new generation of talented, passionate, driven people to come into our field and pick up the baton because they're going to take it further than my professional generation ever has. Yeah, no, I can only agree with you on that wish as well. As I find myself now in my 30s, I suddenly think, wow, I'm not actually one of the young ones <laughs> anymore. And it'd be great to see some uh, Gen Z people coming through and just crushing it. But Kanda, this has been a wonderful conversation. I just wanted to say thank you for, for coming on and just distilling so much knowledge in such a short space of time. Uh, I really appreciate it. 
And Daniel, thanks for having me. It is always a delight to talk to you, and I'll look forward to being able to do it again sometime. Procurement Reimagined is brought to you by Gatekeeper. To find out more about Gatekeeper and how our vendor and contract lifecycle management solution is delivering visibility, control, and compliance to our customers, visit www.gatekeeperhq.com. And then make sure to search for Procurement Reimagined in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that podcasts are found. Make sure to click subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Gatekeeper, thanks for listening.